This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. gents boys and girls <clears throat> welcome back tales with tr it's been a while um a few things to talk about um well, first of all why it's been a while um well first of all happy new year how about that um here we are in march but um I know it's been a while. I hope this works too, by the way. I've got a new studio. So first of all, um, thank you to the guys at Third Man Inn, Mike Hickey and uh, Charles Pickett, who I worked with for a year, almost. I enjoyed my time there uh, for more reasons than one, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, You know, I decided to leave and just do Tales with Tear. I wish the boys the best. But before I explain why, you know, I was relying on Mike's studio, first of all. So uh, I didn't have any. As you guys know, I let go by Mill Street late last year. Um, so I had to figure out some things on my own. about uh, you know, I had to basically make my own studio. So I got this uh, computer and uh, some gadgets that go along with it. The guys with the Hockey Podcast Network were nice enough to set me up with. And, uh, and here we are. So that actually took a while. And I'm not even sure if this is going to work. This is my third draft of this exact podcast, if you can believe it. I just went on here for an hour and did one. So this is getting tedious. And I realized there was no sound. So I'm hoping there's sound when I stop recording this. I won't know until I do. But okay, so anyway, I got my own studio per se, traveling studio. It does the job. Uh, so, and why? Uh, well, I enjoyed Third Man. It, I got to be honest, it wasn't exactly what I wanted from the beginning. And by that, I mean, I kind of just wanted to tell stories with my buddies, right? Um, amongst other things, but... I think Charles and Mike are into it for the analyzing of the game. And, and again, not that I don't want to analyze or I can't or, or, or and more power to them. But had it been my choice, I would have done it on my own from the beginning. And I would have done more stories than anything. Uh, Mike had the studio and uh, Mike asked Chuck to come in. And I hadn't met Chuck, but, uh, you know, he turned out to be a great guy. And I couldn't have asked for more, really, from a couple guys that aren't hockey players. Well, pro players are, I mean, you know what I mean? Mike plays a little bit. Charles just started. 
couple of weeks ago. Good luck in that, Charles, uh, in that endeavor. But, uh, you know, from the beginning, I, I just figure, look, from my own perspective, if you want the game analyzed, you can go to Bob McKenzie, um, you know, Jeff Merrick, you know, Hockey Central, uh, Sportsnet I like to listen to, Spit and Chicklets. Uh, you know, I love Chicklets, probably my favorite hockey show, but it's not all about the analyzing. If I want to hear the game dissected, Jeff O'Neill, Bob McKenzie, I can go on and on, Anthony Stewart, Jeff Merrick, uh, Brian Burke, both uh, Sportsnet, Hockey Central, and many, many smaller podcasts and, and uh, channels across Canada and bring you the analyzing of the game. And I just figured, you know, with two guys who are nine to fivers and a ex flop, you know, who really wants to hear us, you know, who cares what we think of the Jake Muzzin trade, for example, or, or whatever it might be. Um, when you got experts doing it. So I wanted to, you know, had it been my choice, I would have from the beginning done just, you know, I like getting people on and picking their brain a little bit, telling stories, asking questions. Now, of course, I'm going to touch on relative things, relevant things within the industry, of course, and others. I just, um, you know, Chuck and Mike are big time hockey fans and they, they love analyzing it and they're good at it. Whereas I'm, I've got an, a wealth of experience in the pro game behind me. And I like to maybe talk about things that happened. Maybe because I can't get low. At, let, I can't let go of the past. But whatever it may be, you know, I, I feel I've had a very unique experience within the game. I mean, to say the least, I don't know of anybody that doesn't have a unique path. Each one is carved out differently. But, you know, mine is crazy ups, crazy downs. Which, which, and, you know, where I'm from, you know, it's a very unique thing. The only Newfoundlander playing the Western League, you know, the team I got drafted to, the, the Montreal Canadiens, you know, at one time being the youngest junior player in Canada. Um, going on and on, like, for those, you know, and then getting into the movie business, just doing Letter Kenny. I mean, everything still goes back to hockey, but it's such a unique ride. And I've got those experiences to draw from, whereas Chuck and Mike, you know, really analyze the game. And, and they, you know, they, I got to say, they watch more hockey than I do. Um, and I'm not saying they're bad at it at all. I'm just saying I only have so much time. My creative bone, you know, tends to gravitate towards this. And the other thing is I talk a lot. And I got to be honest, I, I, the boys, I think they have very important and very interesting things to say. I'm not saying that I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing it unless I get most of the talking time. I just know myself naturally. And I yap, and I yap, and I yap, and I know that. That's why this kind of podcast is a decent outlet for me. Hey, for you guys, I'm glad that, you know, the listeners here, however fucking many there are left, I'm glad that you tune in and you're interested in what I have to say. I mean, that's unbelievably flattering, humbling, and, and I still don't get it, really, because um, for a lot of reasons. But there are, there's thousands out there that, like to listen and I just want to do my best for those people and um, whoever stays on and, and listen, I, I suggest you listen to both of our podcasts and I'll certainly help the guys out when I can and probably go back on and for a guest appearance if they'll have them. But I'm just saying uh, it's two, two different things that we're, we're, we're doing uh, that are related closely, but I just only have the time for one of them. Um, I'm, I'm doing it. Okay. So that's that. And I wish them the best. Um, and like I said, I, I talk a lot. Might as well do it my way. If you guys, for those that are 
that don't like that, whatever. I don't need to hear it on Twitter. I don't need to hear anything else. I'm not doing it from an egotistical perspective. I just know myself. I know it. And I fucking yap. I've been yapping now. How long have we been going? And I've really, I haven't even really started yet. And a lot of times for that reason, when there's two and three and four and five people, um, I, I get cut off. I lose my train of thought. It's just a flaw that I have. It's a flaw. Um, and I'd rather play up to it rather than change it at this point. Um, it ain't too bad, you know, so I, I talk too much. In any case, I'll move on from that. So good luck to them, and we're, we're closely related. But from here on in, it's me, it's Tales with TR, and it's the Hockey Podcast Network. Okay. Uh, now, speaking of that, okay, I like this. It's my first uh, experience with co I guess, producing my own show. I'm really on recording, only recording it. I send it through to the Hockey Podcast guys, and they, uh, they're going to really chop it up and edit it. And Hopefully, there's not much of that to do. But there's going to be some of it, but I'm just learning how to pause, <laughs> how to fucking press pause right now. But anyway, I just went and did some research. Because the guys who I work with, i got to be honest, so it's Isha, Jerome, and Dylan Kayser. So these guys are out in D.C., and they call me about six months ago to work with the Hockey Podcast Network. The way the Hockey Podcast Network works, I think, <laughs> because they sent me so much reading material, and guys, I love you and everything, but over the last few months, I've been so pissed off. I've been out without a job, on unemployment, like trying to do odd jobs, get the odd acting gig, speech, whatever it might be, kind of hustling. And I was pissed off. They were supposed to send me some stuff, some gear for the uh, for this podcast. And it took a while. But I mean, A, we had the worst winter ever so far. So a lot of things were backed up in the mail. And B, um, you know, they're doing it for me for free. So beggars can't be choosers. I did send them a strongly worded email. Not even a bad one, but I did send them one. And they got back to me and they bear with me. Or with me or beard with me? What did you say there? Uh, anyway, they stood with me and we worked it out. But anyway, it's all good. So I send it through to them. And those guys are great at what they do. And the Hockey Podcast Network, I believe, like I said, is 31 podcasts. 31 Angel teams, 32 soon. And they add mine, Tales with TR, as kind of an extra bonus podcast. The other podcasts kind of analyze the teams that they work with, right? So I, I believe Dylan does the San Jose. Oh, I forget the guy from St. Louis. But I listen to his here and there. I, I could just look it up right now. Press pause for whatever you guys do that. That's the point of what I'm trying to say is look into the Hockey Podcast Network and all their podcasts because they're great. Whatever your favorite team is, uh, choose that. And uh, I, I'd love to say I've listened to all of them, but there's 31. And I, I really honestly, I've only got so much time. I listen to a lot. I'll be honest with you. I got no one to really plug, um, but I love listening. If I'm going to listen to hockey, I round it out. You know, I try to get, it's like, it's like politics. You know, I float somewhere in the middle. These are trying times, but if you only watch CNN or you only watch Fox, you're only going to get one warped point of view. Well, it's not as divisive when it comes to hockey, but I like to listen to all of it. Uh, uh, I don't even have cable anymore. I honestly go with podcasts and YouTube and there's only so much time in a day so I know most of these things are going to come on at some point snippets on Twitter on YouTube or whatever so I listen you know Hockey Central Overdrive TSN Hockey Central Sportsnet um, a bunch of other my buddy uh, Southpaw has a great podcast on Twitter uh, 
um, what it's called. But um, there's all kinds of great podcasts out there. I just try to flood my imagination. I listen to everything. Try to get every point of view. And uh, anyway, so that's what I'm doing now. Ours, ours at the Hockey Podcast Network is gained with, within the last six months I've been involved. Uh, it seems more and more followers, more and more interest uh, for the other uh, extensions of the Hockey Podcast Network, my brothers and sisters. And for this one, I hope we got great numbers for the five I've done. It's just been a while. So I hope that uh, we can get this going again. I know everybody and their brother has a podcast. And they're all... Um, Nowadays, they're getting better and better due to supply and demand, obviously. Um, <clears throat> now, speaking of my podcast, and one of the last things I want to say before I get into some hockey stuff is the bands. So a lot of people are asking me, who is that band uh, that sings the song in my intro? So the song, first of all, is called Sally Ann. I was working on the show Frontier. Uh, and Little Dog, Hudson and Rex, and uh, you know, I, I do act on these things and I do some stunts. Ideally, that's why I'm on these shows, but I also work on the crew. A lot of people don't realize that. So when I say like I'm working on Hudson and Rex today, I'm not necessarily mean that I'm going to be on the screen. I do set dressing, I do locations. Locations are just basically anything. Like jump how high kind of thing. So, but it takes a lot of work and you're there for like 15, 16 hours a day. And it's a great job. I mean, I, I don't, I think every job on sets desirable. I mean, it's interesting. First of all, you get paid fairly well, even on the crew. So I work with um, a lot of people over the years, but one guy, Andrew Dickey Strickland. So it had been like two years I'd work with him. And uh, this was only maybe a couple of years ago. So work with him in 2016, this was maybe 2018. He says, um, you know, I, we were talking about music and he said, you know, that, you know, we play that once in a while. I played another band anymore. I said, who? He said, the long distance runners. And I liked the long distance runners. Um, check into it. They got a couple of albums that I know of. and I've got both, but uh, they're great. Um, a good rock and roll local band. Uh, but this tune I heard Sally Ann. It's the one on the intro. Just great. Just a great rocker. And, um, it really, I said, Andrew, are you kidding me? I, I said, Jesus, do you mind if I, anyway, that was a couple of years ago. So I got to know him. Andrew came over for a few nights. We got into our love of music together. We listened to some records. He gave me a couple of their vinyl copies, of their album. So anyway, thanks. But if you run a note, so, and Isha and Dylan, if you're listening, the, the version on the way in is great on the intro, but it's the live version. I believe you're picking up off YouTube. If you use the one off Spotify amongst others. Uh, it's the actual album version, and uh, highly recommend. If you guys can change that for me, it'd be great. If not, no big deal because they sound great live. But uh, yeah, it's long distance runners, and look into it. Uh, they're a great band. It won't take you long to go through their whole collection. They've since broken up. I'm not sure what the other guys are into. I've only met them downtown in a drunken stupor years ago. Told them how much I liked them, but I didn't know Andrew was part of that group. And now Andrew is one of my real good friends. So thank you, Andrew, and the rest of the Long Distance Runners for letting me use the song. Secondly, though, for those of you out there that keep asking, honestly, I must have had over 100 messages in a couple months. And if there's that many people willing to send me the message, and there must be other people wondering, well, that's who it is, the Long Distance Runners. Absolute top-notch, underrated band. I uh, hope they get back together. But uh, according to Andrew, it's not likely. But good luck, guys, and uh, check it out, folks. Okay. Hmm. There's a couple of topics down that I wanted to talk about. Now, what would be next? 
I don't have a guest this week. I was going to, but there's a few things that I'd like to talk about first, obviously. Um, and I just think that after being off for a couple months, you know, maybe, maybe, yeah, you know what? It's my fucking deal. So that's, I wanted to do it like this. I'm not going to apologize to anybody. If you're tuning in now, you're tuning into my show for a reason. Um, because you must somewhat enjoy what I have to say. I, I do apologize for today not having a guest, but I needed to get this back up and on the go. I needed to see if this recording would actually work. And uh, I did have a lot to say, including, I keep digressing, but Henri Richard, the pocket rocket. So listen, um, it's a sad day when any legend like that, especially in the hockey world, and uh, anybody that's a Montreal fan, he has to be near and dear to your heart, right? 11 Stanley Cups. 11. Granted, there were less teams, but still. Hey, there's less teams, but a lot of people bring that up, and, and there are. So the chances of winning were, were definitely better, but it was hard to make the league. Now you might be able to say, well, now there's Europeans, of course, and I'll give you that. But there was only six teams for a long time. So... You know, imagine now there's 31. So there's 31 times a 25-man roster close to. Then there was six. So just to make it, and then not only that, there's so many unique things about the pocket rocket. To win 11 times, I don't even care how many, if there's two teams, it's, it's still crazy. Uh, and it's not only that, though. He came through the shadow. A lot of people don't realize he was a lot younger than Maurice. Of course, I can do my homework right now and tell you exactly how much, but I, it was over 10 years. So anyway, I just, I don't even need to do research for the pocket rocket. I know he's got 11 Stanley Cups, and I know he was in and around Montreal when I was there. A lot of people ask me, did you meet those legends? Well, yeah, because the alumni room in Montreal is different than a lot of other alumni rooms. I mean, imagine if you're in Nashville or Columbus and a team that's so new, or Florida, great. Roberto Luongo just got his jersey retired, and that's awesome. It's To me, it's... The, you know, the franchise came around in the 90s. So we're a little bit into the history now. But, you know, it takes that long to have your first or your second. I believe he's the first retired number, right? Because you need to have a career for that. And careers last usually 10 or 20 years. Those that are being honored. So it's, you know, a lot of people I hear, well, it's the first player they suck. No, not really. Man, you need to be around for 20 or 30 years or else you're just handing out retired jerseys for no reason. You know, there needs to be some history. So they're getting into that. But in Montreal, think about it, how long they go back, how many cups they got, how many legends. I mean, it's just so next level, I can't even explain it. That can be two things. It can be mesmerizing, it can be awesome, and it can also, for, for a kid when you're coming in, it can be a bit intimidating. And it was always, to me, a little bit intimidating. But never overwhelming. And there's a difference. And in Montreal, like the odd time, I just remember like a guy like Yvonne Lambert, who you wouldn't even think of, right? But he was on mention of those cup winning teams. Uh, Larry Robinson was around a lot, whether he was coaching the team or not. Not that I know these guys, but they were around. He met Bob Ganey there. Um, you know, Bob, calling him Bob Ganey is almost disrespectful. Everybody there has got to be Mr., right? But, you know, we'd go on like these, I'd go into camp a month, month and a half early. People ask about training. Uh, there wasn't so much specific training then, but it was on the go. And if you, you know, if I was here in Newfoundland, I knew I wouldn't get the best training with George Street right there and a lot of temptations, mainly booze and women at the time. <clears throat> well, booze and women. Um, 
I mean, nothing to do with it. Uh, so I know all those distractions are there. Not that they're not in Montreal, but I knew we had to be up every morning and in for like a crazy workout anyway. So, you know, like I just made the logical decision. So I would go there a month and a half or so early with, with some other prospects. But I remember me and Brad Brown and maybe others, but I remember specifically Brad Brown and I going uh, on these, we'd play these softball games. Man, no one talks about it, but we would go in and like, there'd be like Guy Lafleur, like Yvonne Cormier, all these legends, right? And then some guys who happened to be at camp. So we'd go around and we'd play, say, in like Trois-Rivières or we'd play in um, Sherbrooke. Or we'd play these games of softball in the province of Quebec, mostly, usually close to Montreal. But anyway, we, we probably 20 to 30 of them if we played one. Where Brownie struck out, God, it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Struck out of the slow pitch softball. Oh, God. I asked him about that. Oh, God. That was that funny. Um, but anyway, so you'd come across these guys. I remember Guido Fleur just ripping them up. But, you know, the Fleur, and I remember the Fleur uh, flying in on a helicopter one time. I, I believe he's a pilot or something. But anyway, you know, you'd come across these guys, and it was great because you'd see them as. I never saw Guido Fleur as a peer, okay, but he was probably he wasn't such the god that I made him out to be, and he still was hockey wise. But these people had personalities, and most of them just to be involved with that level of professionalism for those many years. And most Habs that that are, you know, from that era were were part of dynasties. Not only a cup win, we're not talking like they pulled off a cup uh, once in a blue moon. We're talking about in the fifties, sixties, seventies. And they had 85 and 93. Like, so they were always part, like whoever was on those teams generally won at least two, if not like four or five Stanley Cups. And they're all still alive, or they were. So, you know, a lot of them were around. And I know that the Pocket Rocket, I met him, I, I'd be lying if I said it was more than high, and I would remember if it was more than high. But everybody spoke really highly of him because – Again, I didn't know Maurice and Henri very well, but they were Montreal Canadiens and they were legends. So you hear a lot about them. And I hear a lot. I mean, to, to watch the movie The Rocket or read the book, and you're going to find out about, you know, that Maurice was the Rocket Richard was, yeah, I mean, a lot of people that didn't see him play or know the story, they think he's the Rocket because of purely of skating, like Pavel Bure kind of thing, uh, the Russian Rocket. Well, yeah. Maurice was a bullet, but there's a whole lot more to it. Like, he was a very big, nasty competitor. And he'd spear you in the eye to, to get a goal, right? And a lot of his success came from going to the hard areas and just playing like a maniac. <clears throat> I'm not saying he wasn't the best of his era. Some people, I believe I saw a documentary with Red Kelly saying he's the best ever overall hockey player. Now, I think that's ludicrous, but again, it's hard to compare eras. It really is. You look at relative dominance. It's like people today saying, well, you know, Lemieux and Gretzky wouldn't be as good in today's game. I don't know, maybe not, but it's relative dominance. I don't give a shit if they had 300 points, 50 points, 200. If they won the scoring every single year, that's all I care about. And Wayne Gretzky and Marilyn Mew for like 15 or 16 years, it was only one of them that won it. And then Jagger thrown in at the end. So for like 19 years, it was only one of those three people. That's relative dominance. Now, I don't care if Connor McDavid, if he gets 100 points 
90, 105 for the next 10 years. If he wins the scoring every year, then that's relative dominance, right? So I don't care how good or bad the goalies were. No one else was winning the scoring every year back then. Brett Hall had a lot of goals. Timo Solani, I can name you lots of legends from back then. But Gretzky and Lemieux had all the scoring titles. So, yeah, they all might have scored a few more points because of the goalies, but you could put today's version of any top goalie. There, Luongo, we just talked about Luongo. Put him in that in his prime back then. Right, have every goalie like that. Okay, so Gretzky doesn't get, I'll hear your argument, he doesn't get 215 points. Okay, maybe he gets 150. Okay, I'm not going to listen if you say he only gets 100 or 80, but okay, he does. But if Gretzky gets 100, that means that the second place guy would get 50 or, 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 or 70, say. Because look at the relative dominance of those guys. I remember one year, I think it was Lemieux had, or Gretzky's the only guy to get 200 points, he had it four times. But I've had Lemieux at 199 and he was hurt. Right. So you, you've and I, I believe all these years, I've often said it, Steve Eisenman would be a bigger legend if people just. You know. If they looked at the era that he came out and, and he, he was playing against those guys, he was often in Pat LaFontaine. There were so many legends that really we don't really give him credit for how good his scores they were because they were coming against the best ever. Um, and to me, it's like Bobby Orr. Like, it's just relative dominance. Like, he changed the position. Wayne Gretzky, Marilyn Mew. And the, the thing is, I think those are the top three. A, a, a defenseman to win the scoring is insane. Wayne Gretzky has more assists than the next person has points in the, in the career. Wayne Gretzky would be the leading scorer of all time if he only went by assists. Now, add his goal. He's also the leading goal scorer of all time. On top of that, he doesn't need one goal to be the all-time leading scorer just on assists. But, but just for good measure, he's got the most goals. Is Ovechkin as good? Who knows? We'll see where he ends up. I do believe if it's just goal total. I'm putting Ovechkin up there, by the way, in this argument. He's part of that argument. Relative dominance, he's there. He, he's there. He's still in his mid-30s and doing this. And, and more often than not, leads the NHL or close to in goals. That's close. Yeah, I, I'm saying it. And, you know. I can't say I hope he does, but if he does, I'll be the first one to shake his hand. I, not that I'll ever see him, although he did steal my hot stick move. Look that up in my book. <coughs> not kidding. But anyway, I'm just saying. So to get back to it, uh, God, I digress so much. that This is why I couldn't have three people on a podcast because I didn't remember what I was talking about. But I know I was talking about Henri Richard, the pocket rocket. And look, I just heard that he was in kind of a mix between his brother and Jean Beliveau. And, and Jean Beliveau, in my mind, having met him and his wife in Montreal and just hearing what other people have to say, a lot of these people have a presence. You know, you, you go in the alumni room and they're there and you're like literally jaw locked. Like, you think I talk a lot? Because when I'm in the Montreal fucking alum, alumni room, I shut my mouth. Even I, yes, I shut my fucking mouth. And all these years later, it's an honor. Like, I don't feel one bit mad at the Canadians or anything else. Like, a lot of people ask that, man, fuck that. Like, whatever happened to me, a lot of it was my own doing, first of all. I've said that a lot. But, uh, you know, I, I should have gone back to camp, and I didn't. And I had my back up, trip over my bottom lip. But, you know, they drafted me. They gave me a chance. Any, any, any personal, yeah, any beef I got within that organization is personal. And it's really, Michelle Therrien is not even there anymore.
don't really have a beef with anybody else. I think they should have used me. They could have, should have, would have. But whatever, then maybe I wasn't good enough. You never really know, right? I just would have liked the chance. I think you give the first round around their games to fit. That's, I was successful at every level up to that point, and it was the same knock. They said I couldn't skate in midget or junior A, junior B, or junior A, sorry, major junior, the AHL. But now I'm just uh, now I'm just dwelling on my own personal beef, which is bullshit, because honestly, most of that, I was young, I was cocky, and I was stupid. But anyway, a, a shout out to the Pocket Rocket, because I wish I could say I knew him more, but his reputation and the stories I've heard, he was nothing but a class act. All those guys are class acts. Um, my assistant coaches at the time, to be honest, that work with me every day, in 96, 97, I was in Montreal for most of the year, till February, uh, with Darcy Tucker, and Darcy played a little bit more than me, not much. And uh, you know, he dressed for games and shit, but he only got a shift or two. And uh, I think I only played three or four games that whole year, but I was there to practice more than anything. They wanted me to learn from that. And I did. That was, it was a great time. But during that time, like I said, my, my, my coaches there, my assistant coaches that would come on the ice every single day and work with me, Tucker, Brad Brown, Matt Higgins, Aaron Ashton, whatever mix of those guys happened to be up specifically and it was steve shot and yvonne cormier and i remember going holy shit like you know this is just unbelievable and they were just two guys that happened to be on the ice you'd come off the ice and like i said john bellavo would be there the odd time Aguila fleur uh god um it was a restaurant was it the casual spore i don't think so but the one in the rink I forget the name of it i was just there but anyway oh god anyway this is unbelievable that i'm forgetting this, but if Alain ran the, the store there, I don't know if he still does, that was 20 years ago. He was a nice guy. Uh, God damn it, the people I met over the years, anybody, Breeze, Breezebois, Patrice Breezebois was on my team, him and Vinny Dumfus, and they won the cup in 93. Uh, you know, so like I'm saying, most of these people in the past, even people like on my team there had these like Stanley Cup stories, and Patrick Waugh was there when I was first there, and he's one of the biggest legends to ever, he created a couple of those Stanley Cups, I won't say single-handedly because that's never been the case in Montreal, but his stories, especially in 85, of coming in and you know, putting on such a dominating performance. These people are like in the room every day. So, yeah, I mean, some of them, uh, I, I just listen. Uh, and and it, it was a humbling experience. And people like the Pocket Rocket um, are the reason that Montreal – I don't care what they do now if they win or lose. This is all splitting hairs. People say, ah, you know, they'll never get back to what they were. Well, you know, wake up. It's a reality fucking check. Back in the day, yeah, for, for a while there were six teams. And for another while, Montreal got all the French players. And you can justify that. And it was justified at the time. It was the rules everybody agreed on. There's a reason they were so great. There was a, it, it's, it, they weren't cheating or anything. I hate that argument. That was the way the fucking rules were, and they won. But will it happen again? Man, I, no one can dominate like that in a 31-team league. 32 team league and, and probably counting, right? Probably counting. Who knows the direction is? It'd probably be a global game. It, it is, but I mean, the league might be global in 10 years from now. Um, so, but, but they still have a level of professionalism. Like you can't, you can't make yourself keep the winning streak when it goes from six teams to 21 to, to 32, but you can keep professional and they are professional. And I think Habs fans, 
it's not talked about enough. Even with the Leafs, you know, there's such a tradition there and everything that that's the reason a lot of people go and cheer for them because their favorite players, you know, like my great grandfather watched players with the Montreal Canadiens, right? Whereas God love all the newer teams, but like say Ottawa now. So Ottawa, and hopefully they can, I think the Canada, the, the move to put the rink out there was stupid in the first place for a lot of reasons. I'll get into that sometime, but that, that is a hockey town. I mean, they got lots of junior A and they got a major junior team. You know, you, you, you go to parts of Ottawa that, you know, the, or the school teams. I just think the rink had to be downtown, but, but anyway, we're closer to, you know, it's hard for these teams to have as much of a legacy. Now, Ottawa's a bit of a, an exception because they did have a team a long time ago, but they took a long time off. Say a team like Seattle coming in. Well, it's going to take a while. So at first, the fans are going to be there for the energy, like Vegas fans. You know, they're, they're creating their own heritage and traditions. But, you know, for, for a Leaf fan or for a Montreal fan, especially in a place like Newfoundland, where, you know, it, it, it's a place that a lot of traditions and values and beliefs stick. You know, families stay together. It, things are tight because we're isolated. We're really, you know, as soon as we leave the island, even as professionals or hockey players or lawyers or doctors, whatever it might be, or fucking oil workers, whatever. I just mean within your industry, when you have a career, meaning professional career. You know, that's why so there's a Newfoundland bar in every province. I can't say that for Saskatchewan. Or, you know, I don't know where the Saskatchewan bar is here or the Alberta bar. Now, I'm not saying that you need to have that, right? Or, or it's bad that province don't, or you don't have a provincial pride. But Newfoundland is a little bit different. You know, growing up on the island, you got to get a plane to get out of here. There's a mental stigma that goes along with it. You're usually, you're a small province, so you go to the national somewhere, you play the host first game so they can beat you 10 to 1, everybody gets a free hot dog. Right? We're used to that shit. So there's a level of, like, defeatism or, or you know, not small-mindedness, but small-town-ness. Um, and we feel... You know, Newfoundlanders are very, very comfortable in groups. And I'm proud of that. And, and, and you know, you see that all over the world, uh, really. But, you know, so with that heritage, though, right? So like my family say, so I can look at the Norrises on my mom's side or the Ryans on my dad's side. And, of course, there's diversity within the family of who we like. But it's between Boston, Montreal, and Toronto. And I can think of, I had an uncle that just passed away, Oliver, and Oliver liked the Rangers. Uh, but it's mostly original six, right? Because it stays, you know, as long as hockey's been around, our families have been here. Danny Cleary, from, Cleary's one of the oldest. Cleary, the name Cleary is from, well, his particular version is from, he's from Riverhead, but that's part of Harbor Grace, which is CB North, Conception Bay North. And that's where John Guy settled, was the first North American year-round settlement. People would come here and fish, but John Guy and company settled Cupids, which is all of 10 minutes from Danny's hometown of Riverhead, which is all part of the same cove, like I said. And so, like these families, and you know, it's not like we can just drive down the road and get a new job. Oh, in Saskatchewan, let's go to BC, you know, it's a 10 hour drive. We can't really do that. So most of these families, and we got so many small towns that for years survived on fishing, which that's all changing now, obviously, right? But, you know, it's just a lot of the same traditions. And that's not only like mummering or, or uh, you know, which is a Christmas tradition or, you know, eating foods like Jig's dinner. It also comes spills into sports. 
right? Lots of Boston Celtics fans here, right? Lots of them. Um, I'm sure Boston, there's a lot of, Chris Nyland told me, you know, Chris Nyland was nearly a Newfoundlander. A lot of people, people, if you don't see the similarities, then have another look. Very Irish, right? And a lot of people that ended up in Boston and Philadelphia, by the way, there's, and, and a lot more, but I'm just saying, having done folklore, I know these two cities a lot. Uh, they share a lot in common with us. So, um, you know, that heritage is one thing, but, you know, with it, the families all cheer for a team. So, like, my family, my particular branch of the Ryans, has cheered for the Montreal Canadiens since way before Rocket Richard. Um, you know, since pretty much they started. And I don't think every family in Canada can say that. They can't even say they've been here. But my, my relatives have been here for a couple hundred years. On just that side, the Norrises, I can trace back for at least a hundred. Uh, so, and they're Leafs fans. So, you know, that's the kind of way it goes. So for me to go to the Montreal Canadiens was a big deal for a lot of reasons. Um, and it continues. I don't want to use the word payoff because it feels like it's an investment I made by choice. But I'll use the word payoff in that life experience. It gives me a lot of life experience, man. And I've been, I hate to pull rank, but I've been at places, um, and I'm not just bars or anything. I remember a few years ago, my well, soon to be ex-wife, Danielle, and God bless her, I love her. We get along great. But we're split and everything. And um, but we were, uh, but still hang out, still smile. E, just letting you know. But uh, I remember we were going to get into a museum. I thought, oh, God, it was in it was in Florence, Italy. Michelangelo's David was in there. I don't remember the name of it, but it was, and I was really surprised it wasn't, it, it was honestly like this side of the road little thing you wouldn't even know that was a museum. But anyway, it was closed. And I said, you know what, I'll, I don't like doing this, but I brought it up to the guy and he happened to be, now he happened to be a, not a hockey fan, but he knew the Montreal Canadiens where he let us in. That's just one example. It happens worldwide. Because the Habs are known like that. So I'm, I'm always so pumped that, and so appreciative that I got drafted to a team like that because even though I only played a handful of games, I was in the organization for one. And, you know, people that follow the Habs, like, they follow the Habs. So, you know, I did wear the Habs jersey for three seasons in Fredericton as part of their affiliate. And a lot of them see it as a 50-man kind of team, which is great because, you know, I, get, I, I, I love the fact that I got an association, albeit a small one, with the Montreal Canadiens. But now I was rookie of the year in the minors, so I, get a, I do have a distinction in the AHL that, I think um, I think at least makes me feel like more part of the whole aura of the team. But uh, and let's you know, there's an elephant in the room. A lot of people see me as a complete failure. <laughs> that's, that's the way it goes. Not, nothing I can do about that. Um, but like I said, to be part of it. Now I remember that got us in, and I, I happen to have uh, a hockey card on me when I go to Europe. Honestly, I know it sounds. But I take it in case for times like that. And you run into fans wherever. But Habs fans are worldwide. Had I said, oh, I played for the Nashville Predators, I don't know that that would hold as much weight. And I'm not sure that they would even know who that is. But every, you know, everybody knows the LA Lakers. Everybody knows the New York Yankees. Everybody knows the Montreal Canadiens. So I'm, uh, I'm happy from that point of view. Jesus, we're eating up minutes here. Okay, so. Uh, and this is exactly why, A, I couldn't do third man in, and B, I didn't have a guest today. Because I'm, uh, I'm rambling. I got a thousand things to talk about. I've only talked about three. 
I'm just going to touch on this. I'm touching on it. The David Ayers thing happened a few weeks ago now. Seems like two years ago. Excuse me. There's only one thing I'm going to say. Like, I love the story and everything. I really do. And, and people are like kind of shitting on it. I hate that. I'm like Jeff Merrick. And Jeff said, you know, he he likes the unpredictable and the fantastical and the fact that this happened. Now, I know the other side of it is that people are saying, well, you know, this shouldn't happen, even though it's a great story. Carolina, we're in a playoff hunt. And outside of working for the team, Ayers could have gone in and just let in 15 goals. Um, even if he didn't let him in, he's a beer league goal, right? So the chances are they were going to light it up. I think it's one of the greatest stories, not not from Ayers' point of view either. From that point of view, it's obvious it's a great story. But the Carolina Hurricanes held the Leafs without any great shots on net that long for half a game. I find that incredible. Like it was a, you'd be, be better with a shooter tutor in that. But it didn't matter. I could have been in that. And that's not saying I'm a good goalie. I wouldn't know first thing what to do, but I could have stood there like that and caught him from the blue line. Like, it's unbelievable what happened in every way. But I think the biggest part of that story is what Carolina did. Like, they had to go in and defend. Toronto Maple Leafs is one thing. Like, you could knock their team, but their scoring is incredible. Look at the scores they have. And no one could even get a shot on net. That's the best defensive performance that you could talk about in years. The fact that Ayers got the win is great for him and everybody didn't have to do anything. Man, I was surprised. But now look, so I love that it happened. Now people, I get it, I'm listening, they're going, you know, outside of the fact he worked for the Leafs, maybe he didn't, and you know, there still could have been all these goals go in and, you know, the league got to do something about it. And by the way, um, you're kind of forgetting about the guy in Chicago that did it a couple years ago. I'm going to look at that now. Wait, I'm going to hit pause. Scott, was it? I can't remember his name, the accountant. I can't believe no one's talking about that, though. Everybody's the first time it happened. It's not the fucking first time it happened. That happened like two years ago. I'm going to tell you his name now. I'm going to pause for 10 minutes. It's going to seem like two seconds. I love this. One sec. Scott Foster. Love this pause and go. That just seemed like 10 seconds. I went and made myself a coffee. I had an egg and some toast. I played a little bit of Red Dead Redemption. I collected a few flowers, though. It was in the middle of the game. From, uh, I had to sell them to Madame Lazar. There you go. I know I got some Red Dead Redemption 2 followers out there. Well, I love it. And I love working from home and what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm actually uh, doing this podcast, obviously, like now. Like right now, I'm doing this podcast. But now, as in, like, what am I doing lately? I'm writing a TV show with my buddy Matt Wells. I can't get into it. It's interesting. It's not what you think either. And that's all I can say. But uh, stay tuned. Because uh, until I hear some more, I can't really say much. Nor do I want to give the idea away. You would never guess it in a million years. <coughs> it is an hockey, so you're not going to get it. Anyway, that's what I've been doing. Hold up and um, writing. I'm working on my second book, but I don't know. I always seem to get waylaid, although it's three quarters of the way done. Any, any uh, publishers out there? I kind of got into a hissy fight with ECW who uh, basically don't want to work with me anymore, even though I had their number one book out of 50 a couple of years ago. My book is a multiple bestseller, but it's, um, yeah, let's just say it's similar to the Mill Street thing. Everybody knows kind of why I got it earlier. 
Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Books are peanuts anyway, man. I, I, my book sells at chapters for $20. I get 50 cents of that. And I didn't have a ghostwriter like you guys think. Like a lot of hockey players, you know, they might speak and it's their, it's their biography. And it's not their autobiography. Mine is a, which means they wrote it. I, mine is, a, you know, I guess you could say memoirs. I don't know if it's quite an autobiography, although it, 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 it kind of dances, treads that line. But I wrote it myself. All of it. I didn't. All all I did was get that edited. So someone might say, "Oh, well, you got this word spelled wrong," or maybe you should put that paragraph over here. But I didn't have anybody help me write it, which is a huge thing. And I, I I don't know if I did. What would I get then? Three cents a book? I really don't know. Like how lower could you go? I did it all myself. I did it all myself. I get fifty cents out of twenty dollars. Now, when I say all myself, of course, I didn't. I didn't make the books. I didn't. You know, I I gave them a few options of what I'd like on the cover, and they came back to me. You know, they they worked with me, but I still think the author of the book deserves more than fifty cents. Anyway, talk amongst yourselves about that shit. And what was I saying? Oh, Scott Foster. So yeah, he came in a couple of years ago for the Blackhawks. He played fourteen or fifteen minutes. Now it was it wasn't quite as crazy of a story because. I think he played like ends like he played a better division. Like Ayers is is truly a beer league goalie. It said like Junior B like 24 years ago, and then it said Allen Cup hockey. Like I play senior hockey, we go Allen Cup. Like our backup goalies don't play any less than Junior A. Like this guy was, if he played Allen Cup hockey, it was one or two games emergency. Same deal. Not to not to knock David Ayers, but Allen Cup hockey is good hockey. The any any goalie that I know in Allen Cup hockey would have gone in there and you wouldn't be laughing. Um, I don't know, our goalie now in senior, Kyle Downer, our backup, Mackenzie James. There, we, our, our backup was an all-star in junior A. Um, you know, I could I could name everybody in the league. I won't, but, you know, they're all either worst-case scenario, real good junior B guys that just came out, but I, I can't even think of any of those. It's all – I mean, Jason Churchill just quit this year with Clarenville, who won the Allen Cup a few years ago. He was in goal. I mean, he was a six-round pick to the, the Sharks. Uh, Andrew Sim, who I played with, four-year OHL career, all kinds. Roger Kennedy uh, was my goalie in Mount Pearl, four-year Q career. Like all, you know, they, they, what I'm saying is that go, even goalies in Allen Cup, they, they got a resume. Those in Ontario, go watch Dundas Real McCoys or one of those teams play. It's all pro guys. and all. So my point is, I guess, Foster did it, though. Like, in, you know, he hadn't played in, like, 10 years. It was a similar story, like, to go into an NHL game and do it. And there was better shots. I can't remember what it was against. I think Winnipeg. And he had some shots. I remember Lionel having a great chance in close. Now, he was more of an accomplished goalie, but not much more. But still, it happens. I think it happened in Toronto, so it was a little bit more magnified. But what, what I'm getting at is you don't have to change the rule. People are going, oh, maybe I, I heard – you know, Anthony Stewart and, and Jeff Merrick and, and their show. Um, I think it was Brian Burke. Um, yeah, David Amber. They were talking about, you know, they, they had to change the format and maybe make the goalie coach good enough that he could go in. Well, I mean, that's bullshit. Some goalie, you can't discriminate. Some goalie coaches, like the guy when I was there, I can't remember. Who was the guy with us, though, the coach? He wasn't goalie. Jacques Lapierre, maybe. And, you know, he was like 75 years old. And who's to say a goalie coach won't be good at that? You can't throw him in the net. And then that would mean a different contract and everything, wouldn't it? If I'm signing a goalie coach, if you're going to go into an NHL game, then I better give you more than the goalie coach salary. You know, 
bump my salary from whatever, I don't know what it is, 100 to like 500, if you want me to actually play in the NHL. So I don't think you need to do that. There's just so much wrong with that anyway. You can't be hiring a goalie coach based on if they can go into that. So that's out. Then we go say hire a third goalie for each team that played a decent level of travel around with them. That's bullshit too. You don't want to be doing that. That's a distraction. You don't want someone on the team that's not really on the team. Um, I came close to that. And, you know, like I said, that whole year I was there, I only played three or four games. So I'm still there to learn. And everything. Like, I wasn't always a distraction. I'd go to my room and fucking shut the fuck up. You know, you don't want to be out at the bar all the time either. Like, it becomes a distraction. We don't need any of that. We were, the game was in Toronto, first of all. Now, I'm willing to bet that every single building in the league has a goalie in it that's better than David Ayers. And I love the fact that it happened, and I want it to happen again. And had 15 goals gone in, I wouldn't give a shit. And I'm glad that they rallied behind him and he got the win. But you are you are dancing with the devil, right? When you If that happens again, the odds are, I mean, right now it's 2-0. and Two backup goalies got the win and played, like, in one case, almost the whole period, and the other one, almost half a game. But it's Toronto. I personally know at least five ex-goalies that were sitting in the game in the stands. That's what I don't get. Like, I just named those goalies. That was senior hockey. I haven't even touched on the goalies I played with in the American Hockey League or the East Coast Hockey League or the West Coast Hockey League or the International Hockey League. Or Europe. I haven't touched on any of that. Now, let's just say we're talking my senior. So when I played senior hockey in Cornerbrook, I don't know why I picked this. It was like 10 years ago. My goalie was Andrew Sim. Keeps coming to my mind. You guys might know his brother, John Sim, right? Played in the NHL for a number of years. And anyway, like I said, like a guy like Andrew was sufficient. You know, he was a, well, he was a great goalie in uh, university and, and in junior. I just mean like, if he went in, he'd be sufficient because he knows how to stop a puck. He's not that far removed. And let's just say, you know, I played senior with him. He popped into my mind. I could say Kyle Downer now, my goalie now, or, or Mackenzie James or Scotty Bray or whoever it might be. If you were to just give them a few hundred bucks, they'd go and, and a free ticket, which I think they get. Don't they get 500 anyway and a free ticket to a game, if I'm not mistaken? There, that's what it costs. They'll go to game, and again, Simmer lives in Nova Scotia, but I'm just saying there's someone, there's the Ontario Hockey League, there's universities up there. Give someone a few hundred bucks, the chances are one in 10,000 that he's going to actually, or she, fuck it, make it Manon Rayom. Manon Rayom is a more accomplished goalie than that guy. There, maybe that's how you get your woman in the NHL. Maybe that's how you get a female to do it. I'm all for it. But, it's got to be someone more accomplished. You're not looking hard enough. How did he even get that job? You know, he can't play goal. Like, I wouldn't expect to get the emergency quarterback job with the New York Giants. This is a National Hockey League team. Toronto, the mecca of the world. Now, you know, I've played basketball. I played high school basketball. But I wouldn't expect to go in with the L.A. Lakers and take free throws. What the fuck? I played soccer. I don't expect you to throw me into an MLS game, let alone play professional in England. He was playing in the NHL. 
do you know the do you know how many goalies were at that game that could do better than like or I don't want to say do better. I'm and I'm pumped. I'd love to have David Ayers on this podcast. I love everything he did. I love that it happened, and I wouldn't want to take it back. So don't get me wrong. I think it all was great. But if you're complaining about the problem, if you see it as a problem, which I don't, but if you see it as a problem, then just there is you don't have to hire anybody to go around team to team. We're in Toronto. I'm willing to bet there was 50 people at the game that could have played goal or around it. Look where you were around. What's the next town over? Etobicoke? Outside the other way, Oshawa, Pickering. You can't get anybody in these areas that plays goal that'll take a free ticket and a few hundred a game to go sit and watch it. Jesus. And if the NHL can, if it takes more money, okay, make it, make it a five, make it a thousand a game that the NHL pays for, whatever. Whatever it is, but you're going to save money. Each team doesn't need to fucking pay a guy. I don't think you're even going to make it that. I think it'll be a few hundred bucks, man. I would. You're going to find a goalie better than David Ayers that will go, honestly, for free tickets to a game, and if we went in, then pay him. But I would honestly make it three to five hundred bucks regardless. Come, this is your side job. Now come to the rink. There, it's 40 grand in your pocket at the end of the year. You're already bugged. Why not? That's my, my, not my problem, but that's the logical, what I'm looking at it, like logically, I don't know how no one has brought that up. Maybe someone did, but not on the major shows. It's not a problem of having an e-bug. It's a problem that you don't have to sign a guy that doesn't play goal, or he plays, but, you know, didn't play above junior B. If I'm in England and I'm watching a game and it goes to penalty shots, I know you can't just put an athlete in. That's the other thing. You couldn't do it like that to a centerman. The only thing you could do in hockey is the goalie, and still the goalies are unbelievably athletic and acrobatic, and at times they'd be more than anybody on the ice, but if they don't get any shots, there's no really way to disguise if you put a guy who played junior B on defense 20 years ago because it would be he'd get hurt. The only position you could do it is goalie, and even that's – it happens, and a miracle happened. A miracle on ice happens. But, you know, it probably wouldn't happen again. If, if you're worried about it, just get a better guy, like I said. If you're in England and someone gets injured and it goes to penalty shots, you wouldn't have to go run around probably. It went to penalty shots. And you would have to bring down someone that played like high school fucking soccer like 20 years ago. No, there'd be people in the crowd that could do it, that played professionally or played fucking something. I wouldn't expect just the rink attendant to come up or the the field fucking the lawnmower guy, the landscaping guy at Wembley Stadium to come down and start for a elite league team. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So I was all about it. I love both instances. I think both guys should be commended. So both, I mean, Scott Foster, because that wasn't that long ago. But anyway, just, you know, if it's a problem in NHL, just fucking go out in these cities. And I mean, even if you're in Florida, there's people around that have more hockey experience than David Ayers. Problem is you don't need to go get in a 43-year-old emergency goalie because there's lots of goalies in their prime. Anyway. Kind of losing the point because I love what happens and uh, I'm very proud of that guy. But if you don't want it to happen again, just get a, sign a better fucking goalie. The same okay. Now, how long have we been on here? Um, well, probably an hour. Um, actually, I'm still on top. I had to press pause because I forget this guy's name, but I got to mention it. It's been eating at me and it happened one year in Boise, Idaho. 
Yeah, I've searched, and you know what? I couldn't find the answer. So anyway, one year we were in Idaho, and we had the same problem. We went on a West Coast swing, and when you're in the double minors, I, I don't know, it's the East Coast League now. East Coast League, I think, has same thing as like the NHL, like up around 30 teams. At the time, it was the East Coast League, the West Coast League, and then it was like the Central League. And I, I think the East Coast League absorbed most teams from all of it. And there was the International League. There's all kinds of leagues at the AA level. And so anyway, at this time, it was the West Coast League. Point being, it's AA, so there's no real single A in hockey, I guess, unless you count the like, Southern Professional League and stuff. Would be considered that, I think. But there's just not a lot to pick from. So, and teams need their players. So we had no nowhere to pull a goalie from. So we went on the road. And our main goalie, Blair Allison, was planned so this guy didn't have to actually go in but we had to we needed someone so he sat on the bench now he he had played a few games in college and i believe it was a d3 team somewhere anyway i believe his first name was kevin but i can't be sure now the reason i'm saying this so we get we needed him for our california swing so when we get to california um i get in he wants to go see a movie now i don't know I've never told this story either since, but some guys on Idaho, I know you're out there. Tell me who this fucking guy was because I can't remember. But anyway, I digress again. We got in and he was my roommate for, for some reason. Um, I didn't give a fuck who my roommate was. So like, whatever, it could have been just, we, we hit it off on the plane. I remember he's a nice guy. So we were going to a movie and I see this CD he's listening to. And he's American, I believe. And, you know, he seemed to live in and around LA. And uh, I'm like, great big C, wow, they're from St. John's. He said, no way. And we got talking about them. He said, I just had to review these guys. I said, what? So the movie we were going to, I can't remember what we ended up seeing, or, or even if we did, we went to an area, though, in L.A. that he was quite familiar with. And this guy, anyway, was a writer for Entertainment, Magazine, Entertainment Weekly magazine. And he did some writing for the Rolling Stone. And I'm determined to find his name. I thought I was just going to look it down on HockeyDB or Elite Prospects and see when I looked at my stats, like with each team that he'd come up with the Idaho team, but again, he didn't go, yeah, he didn't actually get in. Baker, maybe, Kevin Baker. I wonder if that was it. No, I gotta press pause one second. I was just on there sleuthing for, or researching for like a half hour. It wasn't Kevin Bacon, it's Ken, or Kevin Bacon. That'd be something if Kevin Bacon, you found out that. He was our backup goalie. Um, but no, it's Ken fucking Baker. That was, I can't believe it. You, you know how the mind works? Like, I thought about it. I was like, it's going nowhere. I was sitting here talking. I knew I wasn't coming up with it. And then just Ken Baker came flashing into my head. I wasn't even trying to think about it. It just ended up there. Ken Baker. Now that's his name. Now I'm looking him up. He played at Colgate University from 88 to 92. So that's something. This was 2001 or 2002. So he took 10 years off. Now I didn't know. And his Wikipedia page, it says, Baker also played professional hockey for the Bakersfield Condors and the Quad, Quad City Mar Mallards. More, more in an emergency situation again, but he played, he played. He must have played for them for us. He was a backup. After 10 years of not playing, he eventually wrote a book about his experience coming back into the hockey world. They don't play hockey in heaven. So he wrote that book. And right now, like right on his Wikipedia, it says, Kenneth Joel Baker is an American entertainment journalist an author who is, at, who is a senior correspondent of E! News, as well as the host of E! Online's daily web show, Live For Me. 
So a pretty big dude in the entertainment world. Yeah, Ken Baker. As soon as I, I thought it was, as soon as I looked up images, it's wild. The last time I saw him or anything of him, I don't watch online E uh, entertainment, was almost, well, I guess it was over 15 years ago. And exactly, I remember his spit. He was only with us for one weekend, but a great, great guy. Anyway, so that's that. He came on a trip with us and we had a great time. And now I'm going to have to read that book. They don't play hockey and have them because um, maybe there's some Idaho Steelhead stories in there. What else? Um, so that's my story. I'm going to tell a story of episode. I'm going to try. I think I've told 10 here today. Um, and uh, last, look, I, I'm going to try to tell a music story. Um, because, you know, music is a big part of my life, too. And I had so many music stories as a fan, as, as experiences, and sometimes just as things I've heard, whatever it might be. So, Hey, everyone. If you're in the market for a new NHL jersey, I want you to stop what you're doing right now and visit CoolHockey.com. Cool Hockey has the best selection of new and vintage NHL jerseys. Plus, if you use our promo code THPN, you'll get a discount at the checkout. CoolHockey.com, promo code THPN. Now back to the show. Okay, so here we are. Now that's going to seem like two seconds went by. I'll tell you how much time went by. About a day. So I've tried this. The story I'm about to tell you, I've told three, four times already. <laughs> it didn't work. It was muffled, so I cut it out. And then I went back and did it again and realized I didn't press record. I was 33 minutes in and realized I didn't press record yet. Then I went back this morning, regathered my thoughts, and I said, fuck, you know, I gotta tell this story, so I'll do my best to do it again. I went to A&W, and it was a little bit too loud in there. For, you know, I, should, I go there every morning for breakfast. I thought it, sometimes there's not many people. Towards lunch, but it was uh, packed all day. So I went outside, and I kind of stole their Wi-Fi. That kind of, I did. And um, I, I went and told the story then, but it sounded really muffled. I don't know if it was in my car where the windows were up. I, I don't know. So I hope this, I, I can't really check until it's over. Now, I just did a five-minute clip, and it seemed to work. I don't know if I'm using the right side of the microphone. I don't know. Hopefully, this is working. So I'm going to tell this story one more time as if I'm telling it the first time. Just think about that. Ever, ever like, write a paper or something and lose it? Or, like, have a great thought and you, I don't know, write a tweet or something and the phone goes off or, or, or something. Tweets, bad example. But, you know, an email or whatever. Well, you know, I just, this is the fourth time and it's like a 20 to 30 minute story. But it could be just divine intervention. Someone saying, you know what, your stories are too fucking long, kid. Sum it up. Hmm. So with that being said, I'm going to tell you the story of me meeting myself and um, me meeting myself. That would be a good one. Me meeting myself the first time I looked in the mirror and said, you know what? I think we're the same person. No, I'm, <clears throat> this is me meeting Third Eye Blind, basically. The story is Third Eye Blind, but Everclear, Matchbox 20, and Third Eye Blind were playing in the World Arena in Colorado Springs, which we the Colorado Gold Kings happened to call a home arena in 2001 or 2002? 2001, yeah. So, anywho, 
uh, we were on the road uh, for California Swing, and it was pretty cool. Saw um, Eric Clapton there on that swing. It was a great, great trip. It's actually in my book about going to San Diego. Um, book's called Tales of a First Round Nothing, if I haven't mentioned that yet or a million times. Since I've started podcasting. But um, anyway, yeah, it's a good book. You should go get it. What are we talking about again? Oh, yeah. So we got back from the California swing. So I didn't realize that uh, these bands were playing. And I really like Everclear. And, uh, you know, they're probably my favorite of the group. Third Eye Blind are great. Matchbox 20 at the time, although they faded off. Matchbox 20 were huge. And they had this an album, uh, Long Day, 3 a.m. Uh, God, that, that's just scratching the surface. I can't remember. There's five or six smash hits of them. But Rob Thomas, you see, had just released Smooth with Carlos Santana. So Rob Thomas, who kind of faded off, but he was really, like, he was huge at this particular time, being the lead singer of Matchbox 20 again, and, had, and singing the song Smooth by Santana, who was enjoying a healthy comeback at the time. Santana was big, of course, in the 70s. But he plays more than anything. Carlos Santana doesn't sing much. So, anywho... I knew that from my dad, so dad tells a story, Terry Ryan Sr., for most people listening to this podcast know who I'm talking about. If you don't, go back. To, I used to be on a show called Third Man In. Most of you know that, too, for those who don't. Go back and listen to the Terry Ryan Sr. episode. He tells this story. But he met Elvis, and the way he did it was by, you know, going to practice and kind of staying around the rink because, you know, they usually, the concerts are usually in the hockey building, wherever you are, whatever city, and uh, they're usually, have to use your dressing room. If you're playing on the home team, it's usually the nicest, the nicest dressing room in the rank store. So just process of elimination. I'm like, if I just sit in here, like they'll probably come in. And sure enough, so practice, I, I believe we had it like 10 or 11 in the morning. So it's over and guys have uh, ridden the bike or whatever it might be, um, like one or two in the afternoon. But I'm sticking around and uh, normally that's cool. But now the roadies are starting to come in. Sure enough, they're going to use our room. So uh, I had a few tickets. I used to... I had tickets anyway, so it wasn't just being in the building, is what I'm saying. Um, what I used to do is trade, you know, tickets to, for our, our home games. That's my phone. Hello? Okay. Uh, I am just doing my podcast. I'm right in the middle of it, uh, but I will get them for you. Where are they? Okay. Well, I don't see them, but I'll look for them. Okay. I had a donor. Love you. Well, that was Penny Lane, who left her lines here. She's um, she's in a play, and she actually wrote this part. They could actually do a monologue, and they could pick, like, Alice in Wonderland or, or uh, whatever it might be, Annie. There's two of those. There's all kinds of cats, whatever it might be. They could take a monologue from one of those shows. But she and her friend wrote one based on Stranger Things. But, of course, she's lost them. She is, um, is careless. So going back, so yeah, anyways, this concert was happening. So um, I, I used to trade things around town for, for tickets. So um, if there's any show, you know, I'd, I'd at least get tickets if we couldn't talk our way in as, as members of the team. Uh, so I took Rico Grima, who's one of our equipment managers. He was a kid, 20, 19 or 20 at the time. And Mitch the Hurricane Carter. So Mitch was one of our, he, he helped out Rico. But Mitch was, um, you know, he was a learning disability. Uh, he was a bit slow, and I, I don't even know if that's politically correct to say now, but um, 
Yeah, well, you know, that's it. He was he, he was sharp as a tack, uh, you know, his mind. It was just uh, he was a little slow in delivering it and uh, delivering his message. And uh, I'm not sure what exact disability he had, but, you know, I, I know that he enjoyed being around the boys. And, you know, he used to come to every game. So we invited him down to the room and he stuck. And, you know, we would bust his balls. I think, you know, some people now would probably think it was bullying, especially where he had a disadvantage. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, this politically correct uh you know he was um mitch kind of slurred his words he was slow moving i don't know if he was autistic or what it was but you know he was just he loved his joy was never ending when he was around the guys and he would uh, do our laundry uh, get us water you know easy tasks like that and he was a joy to be around to be honest he was always happy so uh, we loved that mitch. and uh, anyway so mitch and ricky i had three tickets i believe and i gave uh, i said you guys come with me it's all good some of the guys on the team didn't want to go i believe zach boyer though had one game wonder in the nhl for dallas memorial cup hero 92 for kamloops uh, he ended up coming with his new girlfriend at the time cindy they're since married and have like kids that are 12 years old i think anyway i can go on, i can go on and on and digress but um Anyway, so we all went. I told the boys, I said, you guys go get our seats and popcorn and all that, like whatever it's going to be. Or I, I believe Rico even left and picked up some buddies. Whatever it was, I was in the, I was in the dressing room two hours more than they were because I wanted to meet the guy. So Art Alexis came in. And like I said, like of the three groups, I loved Everclear. So I was pumped to meet him. And he told me a story about uh, Wonder, or, uh, the song Wonderful. And it blew me away. Uh, and if you listen to the words, it pretty much tells itself but that's uh, a very very powerful song somewhat introspective and uh, it blew me away it was almost in tears to be honest with you and then i told a couple stories one of um american pie the song american pie is one of my favorites uh, and uh, a lot of people i think know that american pie was the name of the plane that the buddy holly uh, uh, buddy holly the big popper and richie valens went down on in the late 50s but they don't uh, realize that, uh, you know, the rest of the song is about uh, the history of rock and roll up to that point. It's, it's fascinating. My dad taught a bit of history on it. Uh, in, in when, he, when he was a teacher, he, you know, part of his history course was that song. So, and I'll tell you that anyway in a week or two, but I was telling that story and some of the guys hadn't, hadn't heard it like that and, and they were, we were rocking and rolling. And anyway, this dude from Third Eye Blind comes over and says, I'll blow you away. He said, the, the very song that, you know, is our smash hit, semi Charm Light. He said, um, you know, that I, I didn't even think that was going to be on the radio. I'm like, why? It's, he said, well, what do you like about it? I said, you know, it's just, it's a happy sign. He said, yeah, exactly. Now listen to the words. That's funny the, the way the human brain works because I knew the words and I could sing them, most of them. But I was like, oh God, yeah. I, you, you, sometimes you don't listen to what you're singing. But it opens up and says, I'm packed and I'm holding. And, uh, you know, just Google this song. It's, I don't need to because this guy told me and, and then I listened to the words. So. I'm sure this is fact, but I'm not sure if it's about the dude, though, and I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth. It sounded introspective. It sounded like he was talking about himself. But who knows? You know, it was also a commentary at the time on drugs and sex and all that. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So I'm packing, I'm holding, and then, you know, she comes down and she goes down on me. So he's like, yeah. And he said, so this dude's in there. And he said, he's, he's got some crystal meth and, uh, and his girl's about to go down on him. He said, the whole thing is about doing crystal meth and banging. And I was like, what? But then you listen to the words and he says, um, oh God, uh, 
I bumped up. I took the hit that I was given and I bumped again. Then I bumped again and said, how do I get back there to the place where I... So he's taking hits and then he says, uh, where I fell asleep inside you. Um, I was taking sips of it to my nose. You know, so he's got the thing out. He's doing rips and like, it's very, the whole song, and you really can't miss it if you pay attention to the words, but no one really ever did. Some people I'm talking to now know what I'm talking about. They probably did, but I know that the, the majority of you don't. And when you listen to the song, it sounds so happy that you never really paid attention to it. And right in the middle, he even says it right up. He says, uh, doing crystal meth will keep you up. In the second verse, he says the words crystal meth. And I still didn't realize it. And by the way, again, I feel like i got to say it in today's day and age. Um, I'm not promoting the use of drugs. or It's certainly not crystal meth. Like, whatever. I, I laugh. I experimented. Yes, in my life. I smoke weed a lot. It really helps with my concussion symptoms, my PCS and everything. I don't mind saying that. And I don't feel like a victim or anything. Everybody has some fucking problem that weed could help with. Like I really am an advocate for that. I, I do think, you know, that weed is actually a good thing. And this thing from a drug in the sense that a criminal sense but anyway you know and i've experimented with other things right i've done it i don't need to get descriptive i've done hallucinogens i haven't never done crystal meth like that's a bad choice but the story is fascinating okay so anyway he goes on i'm like wow and he goes like that that ended up being a smash hit and making us huge but that of all the songs that like, we never thought that that would go anywhere because of the content so anyway listen to it if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google the lyrics and then play the video and listen to what's happening. And it's it's, a, it's very interesting. I used to love that, and by the way, and I did that. I met Bruce Springsteen in Cincinnati the same way, by staying in the room. And usually, and again, going back to the Montreal Canadiens, right? Nobody started to come in. And if I had said Florida Panthers, and nothing against the Florida Panthers, but it's just having a history and having people know. And, you know, wherever you are in the States, you might not get a Florida Panthers fan, but everybody's going to at least heard of the Montreal Canadiens. And that's kind of what got me in the door that day. Uh, you know, some people still laugh or they might even find it cocky. But I looked at hockey as a vehicle, man. And it was uh, it was a vehicle to get me around traveling a journey. I mean, of course, you want the fame, you want the NHL. But to me, looking back and even at the time, I was very aware that I was on a journey that only was taking place because of hockey. So I used that to my advantage. Yes, I do. Um, did I expect it? Um, was I entitled? Never. Uh, I just knew that. And sometimes you got to realize it's not me being cocky. It, some people are genuinely excited. You know, I remember there's Canadians. You, you might think of a place like San Diego and say, well, you know, there's not many hockey fans, but there are, first of all, they had the San Diego Gulls. And there's Canadians all over. And where there's, where there's Canadians, you know, if they're hockey fans, chances are they probably like the Leafs or the Habs, right? Chances are. It doesn't have to be. But there's a lot of fans like that. So, you know, sometimes I would go to a bar and someone would say, geez, it's great to have you. You know, come on in. We'll give you a few drinks for free. You and your friends free cover. I'm not necessarily pulling rank when I did that. Some people genuinely wanted that, you know, like send them a picture or a card or whatever it might be, which actually is a nice segue into what I'm going to say last. The point being, you know, experience it, man. Go out and do what you need to do. I never felt entitled. I've had jobs in my life. After, I've, I've had the best in the world that I ever could want. An NHL player, which brought in, I think, at my peak, I made uh, the one year I made eight hundred thousand. Which made, I won't get into taxes and everything now, but I know what that's like, and I know what it's like to be in that kind of company. And I don't think I ever consider myself elitist. I would come home and still go to Green Sleeves. I wasn't the kind of guy that would. Uh, I guess. Uh, 
yeah, I, I wouldn't. I never felt above my britches. Did I go downtown sometimes and throw my money around? Yes, but it was more to have fun. Uh, anyway, I'm kind of getting away from myself. Point being, I don't want you to think I'm telling these stories or, you know, I don't want to present myself as some kind of fucking cocky, pretentious fuck. But I did do those sort of things, and I often, and I still do it. If, if it works and, you know, how I... How you doing? Are you a hockey fan? I'm in town. You know, I remember in Rome a couple of years ago, like, I, like I've said, how you doing? Yeah, hockey fan. Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard of Manchester United. Well, same sort of thing, you know, and then you get a conversation going, right? Um, and uh, yeah, I'm guilty. And if you, um, and some people, I guess, would see that as cocky. There's not much I can do about it. If you're, if you're this far into this podcast, then you're fucking still listening to me. So there must be some level of you that either finds me interesting or thinks I have uh, some integrity. Uh, but anyway, fuck do I ramble? That's the other thing, you know? I just ramble so fucking much that I, I can't even believe that people still listen, but they do. I'm getting lots of great feedback. Um, so I will leave you with this. Speaking of, um, this, the coronavirus, a lot of, look, this is more serious than I ever thought. At first, I was kind of joking, and, and I just honestly read a book. It's called Sapiens, uh, and it's, it talks about the history of, of humankind and, and civilization up to now. It, 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 it kind of you know, it brings up plagues and, and viruses that we've had, and it's, it's never been. You know, we've always been battling these things. The best example I can think, again, is about seven or 800 years ago, the Black Plague. Um, and, and, you know, I think two-thirds of Europe died. I mean, that's a lot. Uh, but we didn't have the kind of medicine. So it talks about now how we got better medicine in this book. And it was written, say, a couple of years ago. And, you know, they said, you know, SARS, for example, like, you know, people tend to over panic because there was 770 people died worldwide. That's all. And I couldn't believe that. I, the way we were led to believe back then, I thought there was like tens of thousands at least. So then I, I was after reading that book, I was like, you know, nothing likely it's going to be a panic you know cnn always wants breaking news and you know whatever it's going to be whatever news outlet is going to panic and it's kind of their job to do that because people are idiots and they'll abuse it until you tell them to stay in so i was taking that and i bought the the, the, the follow-up to sapiens it's called homo deuce which basically is just where, where human civilization is going to go and so it says you know it talks about these things that might happen and you know in the form of viruses and stuff you know there, there likely won't be anything soon, but every few years something will uh, emerge. It's just the way it is. As as we evolve as people, survival of the fittest, right? That's why humans are so evolved. We walk upright. We have brains that can outthink, and we work together. And there are, we have speech, which you know really sped up evolution, as we can talk to each other and communicate better than any other animal, right? So it's all evolution. We're all the, the things that are alive now are the peak of what they've been because they had to be strong to get here, right? Is the point of all of it? Where the fuck am I going with this? Oh, so you know, bacteria and viruses—they're the same, right? Like they work together. They're alive at all times. Like there's so many things on your body, in your body, like in, in everything you're looking at that's living. So those things only get stronger and stronger. So this particular now, but we we will we will find a way, right? We got scientists to battle that. But they're saying that they're not going to find a vaccine for a year or a year and a half, and this particular the amount of deaths so far exceeds anything recent in this book that i'm reading h1n1 um ebola or, or, or you know sars or whatever um if, you know every decade there's something um 
well, this is more, and I'm not even saying just on a death scale, although the death is alarmingly high. People say, oh, only 3%. That's three out of 100, man. That's not good. You're talking about human bodies. You're talking about millions of people. Well, billions. The whole world's going to be uh, affected one way or the other. They'll all be exposed. And my thing, so outside of that rate, you know, and I'm not particularly thrilled that there's a higher death rate than normal, but I'm not really worried about my own life or, or uh, you know, apparently I have a healthy family. It's secondary. Kids are, even kids in this one, it's more older people that it seems to be, although we don't know all the science on it yet. And I'm not thrilled that Penny Lane is going to be exposed to it. Hopefully she's not right. And I'll take every precaution. I'm just saying to you, before I tell you what I'm worried about, this isn't the, my instinct where it's going. What I think is that the economy is in for a major collapse, unlike what we've ever seen. And no one's been talking about it to this point. A few people, well, the Dow's down. And, you know, I've never, I've never really followed the stock market, but I know that you need blue chip companies to keep being blue chip. I know that you need certain constants. You need trading. You need people out there in order for the economy to keep going. Because if one or two or three major facets of that stop, if that wheel stops moving, it's a domino effect. Now, for example, right, as I say this, Today, I bet you the NHL is going to suspend play. Uh, NBA did it. Yesterday, I woke up yesterday morning, and I was still thinking like old school, like it's not that bad. I had hockey practice. I came home. Um, the NBA suspended play. So last night, I really spent a few years digging. Or you, you I like that, a few hours digging. And it doesn't look good. And if people start canceling that, let's just say, let's just say if only the North American sports market, let's say if it's only that that they stopped doing that. Then let's say the San Jose Sharks, okay? They were the first to talk about it. So, okay, so 20,000 people aren't going to that game. Well, that means 20,000 people aren't going to be walking around buying, um, you know, T-shirts. It means that they're not going to be before and after. The restaurants aren't going to be full before and the bars aren't going to be full afterwards, right? And then you take a place like Toronto where everything's downtown and all those people and it's the Raptors and it's the Leafs, right? Here are the Newfoundland Growlers. We got places on George Street that are near and dear to my heart that if you don't have anything happening in mile one, right, they're on the brick. That could push them over the edge to fold, right? And this is, it's, that's only if you took sports out. Then you got to think concerts, right? Then all those, but because of the public gathering is what I'm saying. Like you're eliminating that and you're not going to be able to leave your house and they're going to cancel school, all that stuff. Well, the, the wheel can't stop moving. Right. So that's only sports I just talked about. And that's only concerts I brought in then. And then you're talking about schools. But if you start having no, then you're going to have public rallies. Right. For the, there's an election coming up in the United States. There's always some sort of election in Canada, whether it's municipal, um, provincial, federal, there's something happening. Right. And, and those require get togethers. You're not going to be able to do it. Every school dance. Right. We're coming up now onto uh, provincial hockey tournament times and everything. So you might talk. NHL is one thing, but each little community here, if they don't have their, if we don't have the herder, right, there's got to, there's not going to be people um, in, for example, in Clarendon this weekend, Newfoundland for the herder, senior hockey championship. Well, I assume this weekend the games will go ahead, but I, I don't think next week, honestly, this is changing by the day. And if Clarendon don't get their home game, then those people don't leave and then support the CEC. And those little towns need that stuff. If you can't go to Marble Mountain when you're in Cornerbrook, right? If, you, if you're in Whistler and you can't go on the mountain, and you know, public gatherings are pretty much everything. 
like pretty much everybody leaves and goes to work. And, and if that's going to be minimalized to its lowest form, then I just can't see how we're not in for the Great Depression type shit. Now, I hate to be alarmist. I do. I, I do. This isn't me or you. This is everybody. Right now, I'm fucked. And my wife, because, um, well, I don't have to be. And, you know, I can always do something. I can try to sell books or whatever. I, I'm not saying it that I'm, I'm sitting here. I've been fucked for a few months. I've been looking for a job, so I'm used to it. Um, and Danielle, I'm just saying, she works in the food and beverage industry, right? Merchant Tavern Raymond's, two of the nicest spots in, in Canada or top spots in Canada. Raymond's literally was voted number one in Canada restaurant and Merchant's always in the top 100, as well as so many other places down there that are great. Mallard Cottage and Adelaide, the yada, 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 blue on water, I can go on and on and on. But, you know, there's going to be no one going to these places. And that means, you know, no one's going out and Patty's Day is going to happen. Like, there's no get-togethers and the cabs aren't going to be able to go. And then the cabs can't pay their bill and they're going to move out of their homes. And, you know, then the landlords aren't going to make, I'm just serious. Like, I, I hate to be alarmist, but I see that happening. And I don't see many people focusing on that right now. Um, but anyway, for that reason, um, you know, be positive and everything. I'm just, you know, if people take precautions. Who am I to say? You, you, you didn't tune into this for fucking health advice. Right. If this is when you're getting it at the end of a long, drawn out one man podcast, if this is where you're tuning in to get your health news, then you're shit out of luck. But there is it is a fact that this thing's going. I, I can't see anybody being uh, and no, nobody's safe from contracting it. Now, if you got a good immune system, you should be OK. Right. You should be OK. But it's the economy, man. And good luck to everybody. So to end, I'm going to encouraging people, if you can work from home, do so. Now, um, I have something important to say here and, um, and important for my ex-wife. Danielle and I are split up, but we very much work together. She has a company called Penny Posh. Now, I'm going to throw in something here. If you Go online, pennyposhdesigns.com. They have unbelievable hoodies, amongst other things, but I really recommend the hoodies. I'm not saying this from any point. I don't make money from this by telling you I'm trying to do her a favor. We're split. We make our own shit. We do our own thing. We cooperate. But I really do mean it. I told her, I said, you're not going to be working much longer at Merchant Tavern for a couple weeks. Like At most, I, I, I don't see a lot of people going out. You're already canceling reservations. If you are working, there's going to be not a lot of people. Not the same money is going to be made for sure. We can at least say that. So she's got these wicked hoodies, pennyposhdesigns.com, or send her a message, Danny Ryan on Instagram. Um, and they're wicked, but they, if, if you're pregnant, but you don't have to be, but if you are, they kind of, they grow with you because there's the liner in them that kind of stretches on the side and you can't even really see that. So at first I think she marketed it just for pregnant women, but it, it's certainly not. Now they started at like 129. We ordered like, remember a couple of years ago, like so much inventory, man, we have nowhere to put it. So, and she's doing well with it. It's just hard when you're in Newfoundland and you know, you get a job that she can't put all her time and resources into it because, well, you know, you need that, you need to work. Uh, so, um, but I really do. It's awesome. And I'm not just trying to sell you on this. And when you do, if you order one, I'm going to throw in a signed picture or a signed, uh, a signed picture and a signed hockey card. Look at my Instagram, literally. Pick any of those action shots, and I will send it to you. Any action shots I got there from the NHL, as well as any hockey card, right? I just go up to Staples, and I blow it up for like five cents, man. And I laminate it, and then I'll sign it for you. You know, you might have a bar. You might be a Canadian fan. You might have a, a wall full of shame. All the first-round flops right there. Look, me, Brent Billado, Jonathan Aiken, right down the list. 
of people that uh, Jason Bonsignor, I could go on and on, of guys that just didn't do what they were supposed to. I don't fucking know. The point being, I'm not trying to be cocky saying I'll throw something in and think it's a fucking wicked prize, but some people do want to sign a picture of a Montreal Canadian, whatever the fuck it might be. Some film fans, you like Frontier? I'll send you a signed picture of that. I'm the first face you see in it. Uh, Jason Momoa slits my throat. There you go. Uh, there's, there's cult Frontier fans out there that listen to this. So I will send you a signed pic. You just tell me which one off my Instagram, and I'll send you a signed hockey card as well. And uh, I think there's 129 bucks. I'm going to speak for Danielle. I believe um, I believe she'll, I hope she'll sell them for, say, 70, 69.99. Boom, there's your deal. 69.99, penny posh hoodie. They're fucking awesome, I guarantee it. And I'm going to throw in a signed picture and a signed card. Everybody wins. With that, good luck to everybody. I uh, don't mean to scare anyone. I'm just trying to be logical. I'm trying to let you know what I think is going to happen. Maybe I'm wrong, and I certainly hope I am. Uh, but if I'm not, we're all going to be inside a little bit more than we have been lately. If uh, Newfoundland, actually, we've been in all winter because of the shit fucking snowmageddon winter we had. And everybody here knows what I'm talking about. But uh, most of us are going to be inside, I think, for the next two or three weeks. And I just started doing podcasts again. So it's good news. From that perspective, you'll get more content. Bad news is that you're going to be doing it all holed up in your place with no NHL games to see, no movies to go to, no concerts to listen to. Um, but at least for the time being. But, uh, good luck to everybody uh, out there. And, uh, you know, stay tuned. Episode 6. I'm pumped to be back. Thanks. See you later.